everything. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Believer's Chapel. I am so glad that you are here on this Palm Sunday. Uh, like Trevin already talked about, this is Palm Sunday. You know, uh, Jesus did come in on a donkey. They were hoping, you know, it, it's kind of symbolic and it was prophesied over. But they thought he was going to come in on a horse because horse is like war and we're gonna, he's going to take over. But he came in on a donkey, which represented peace. And they all thought he was going to come in and they had their um, palm branches and they were saying, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna is a word that means save us. Jesus, save us, save us. They saw Jesus, he had done all these miracles. He had been on earth uh, performing miracles for a few years now. And here he comes into Jerusalem the last time. And they thought he was going to come in and save them from the wicked Roman Empire. But Jesus didn't come to save them just from the Romans. He came to save them from a, an enemy much greater. And that is our own sinful nature. And not just for one empire that lived at a one time period in one area of the world. He came to save all of humankind for all eternity. He was coming for a much, much bigger purpose than overcoming and overthrowing a Roman empire. And so Jesus came in and they're singing Hosanna in the highest. Come save us, Jesus, come save us. And Jesus came and they thought he failed. But what they didn't realize is that Jesus came. He died on the cross not too many days later and saved their souls for an eternity. Isn't that awesome? And today we are celebrating Palm Sunday with people all around the world. In Europe, in Africa, in Asia, they've already celebrated it. We're a little behind here in the United States. So come on, let's celebrate Jesus today, amen? Thank God for what he did today. So we're in our series, Back to Life. And the last two weeks, I haven't preached. In fact, Pastor Bethany preached two weeks ago, and she did such an awesome job. Isn't it? Aren't we so thankful for Pastor Bethany? She did such a good job. And then last week, uh, Pastor Kaysen preached, and he started off the series Back to Life, and he did an awesome job. He hit it out of the park, both of them. Aren't you guys thankful for Pastor Kaysen? And so I was talking to my wife, you know, I was just saying to a couple of people, I was like, I don't know if I can follow those two anymore. You know, like, I don't, I'm supposed to be the lead pastor here, and like, I don't know if I can do this. So today, um, I had to bring out this, my secret um, weapon. And so, because I just don't feel like I'm measuring up anymore to these guys, you know. And uh, it's not really, I'm just playing, you know. I hope you know I'm just playing, but they did a really good job. Uh, I'm not having an insecurity complex is what I'm saying. But, uh, but I, I am bringing out my secret weapon just in case I don't quite measure up. And um, so today, um, I am going to preach, but my awesome, amazing wife is going to come and help me, and she's going to come and share a story. So would you guys give it up for Naomi, Miss, Mrs. Dr. Naomi Rifen. <laughs> Good morning. So thanks for, thanks for welcoming up, me up here. I'm just going to ask for a little grace. This is my first time doing this, so <laughs> a little nervous, but excited to be up here. So as I walked in, I noticed all these gorgeous plants up here. I don't know who did the set, but it's beautiful. It kind of ties in. Kind of ties into what I'm going to share today. So 
as you look at these, uh, these beautiful plants up here, what I'm gonna talk about today kind of relates to that. So about a year ago, um, a friend of mine at work gave me this fiddle leaf fig. Any gardeners out there? Okay, one, two, three, okay. Well, I am not. I am one of those people that kills every single plant I've ever been given, every single one. And people tend to give me plants. You know, it's an easy gift to give um, for Christmas or Mother's Day or something like that. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And about a week later, they die. Cactuses, everything, right? So I get this fiddle leaf fig, and it's beautiful. Nice, hearty, thick leaves. I thought, oh, gosh, I'm going to kill this one, too. Well, I didn't realize, like, how hardy they really were. So, you know, it just needed a little bit of water, some light, and this little guy just started to thrive and live. So about a month goes by, and I'm like, wow, this plant is still alive. I've got some skills, apparently. Really, it's just a hardy plant. You can't really kill them. So I put him in the window in, the, in our brightest room of our house, and he's thriving. It's summertime. He's growing. And then, yes, I say he. I named him. His name is George. He has a name. I love this little guy. So I put him in a window, he's thriving, it's summertime. Fast forward to fall, he's still doing really well. Now he's got a couple of inches of growth on him, and some new leaves, and I'm like, man, I'm really doing good with this guy. Love you, George. So now it's about Thanksgiving time, and we get all of our things out to decorate for Christmas, and one of the places that we normally put one of our decorations is where George is sitting. So naturally, I'm like, you're just gonna go and move to this new location in the house. Upstairs, different window, different side of the house, all things that, you know, I'm not a gardener, so I don't really, I don't factor into all these conditions that help a plant live. So a few weeks later, I notice, you know, the leaves are starting to turn brown on George, and he starts to shrivel leaf by leaf, starts to die. And I'm like, oh, maybe he just needs some more water. So I give him more water. That was not good. I think I kind of drowned him. And then he did really bad fungus and like just dropped all of his leaves, right? I think I might have a picture of him right here. Yeah, so this is what I tend to do to all my plants. <laughs> and so after Christmas time, you know, he's still kind of like this. He's still got a little bit of stuff on him. So I, we move him back into our living room into a brighter room where it's not, not so cold, um, more light, but he's still dropping all of his leaves, he's still shriveling, and he's like, he's dead, he's gone at this point. I'm really convinced that he's dead. So I look over, and I'm really kind of heartbroken. I loved George at this point, right? Kids, you guys know that I love George, right? So I look at Rich and I'm like, babe, this plant is so dead, I've gotta do something. He said, Naomi, he is not dead. I said, okay, he's dead. Look at all of his leaves are gone. He said, babe, sometimes you just have to prune those leaves. You got to prune away the dead parts. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I was going to just throw the plant away. I didn't want to admit that he was right, but I pruned away the plants. I think sometime maybe when he wasn't there, I pruned away the leaves and kind of didn't talk about it for a while. I didn't throw them away. I was hopeful that maybe... Maybe that pruning would work, but I didn't really believe it. So now we're in what? What month are we in? April? So in March, like just a few weeks ago, I look over at George, who's still in the same place now, and 
He didn't have any dead leaves on him. And I said, babe, look, George is alive. And he had these three leaves on it, and he was flaunting a fourth one, kind of trying to emerge through. And I was so surprised, just really shocked. <laughs> like, I think some basketball game or something was on, and here I am, like, shocked, standing in the middle of the living room, looking at George, just in awe, like he could have, he should have been glowing. And I was like, I was so focused on the dead that I did not see the life. I'm going to say that again. I was so focused on the dead that I did not see the life. I think that happens sometimes in our own lives. Um, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you get married, you're excited, you have that first job, you're excited about going to work um, most of the time. Um, you have that great relationship with Jesus because you're putting in the work and your, your walk with him is, is healthy and strong until at some point those things are not. And that marriage is difficult that job is hard and stressful, and then you put your Bible on the shelf and you forget to open it and pray, and your walk with Jesus is tough. Well, just like that there are conditions that helped George to thrive, there are conditions in our own life that help us to live better, right? Romans 8, 6, I think we have that verse. It says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. So often we focus on the things that we have, think we have lost, those things that lead to death, those things that, you know, it's a mindset thing, those things that the world says, this is what you need to be happy, whether it's food, whether it's our job, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our family, whether you fill in the blank, whatever that thing is that you think you need, if that becomes your focus instead of Jesus, that's gonna lead to death, metaphorically and physically. You focus your mind on Jesus, it leads to life. He is the author and finisher and the, our, our savior and the, our salvation, right? So I'm gonna take this a little deeper. About seven years ago, I went through a divorce that I did not expect. I lost what I thought, I, I, at that moment I thought I lost everything. I was lonely, afraid, I felt unloved, I felt unwanted, and I really, really felt dead inside. I turned to other things just to fill that, that, that void inside. I just, you know, stayed up late, watching movies and didn't want to go to bed because I just, I just didn't want to go to sleep and wake up the next day, quite honestly. Jesus reached out and said, Naomi, I have a life for you. You have to trust me. I will be the supplier of all your needs. I will give you what you need. I am so thankful that I came here, got connected in Believer's Chapel, recommitted my life to the Lord. I had always, I'd been a Christian for a long time, but that divorce really, that was, it was very difficult. But Jesus showed me, he will be my life if my mind is set on him. I'm not dead, I am alive. 
My secret weapon. Isn't that awesome? It's always amazing to me, you know, uh, I used to have a friend that would come up from the south and visit, and in the fall time, when all the leaves had already all fallen, they would say, man, it's really pretty up here, but all your trees are dead. And they didn't have, you know, the, uh, the um, what's the deciduous trees? Is that, what, is that the right word? Um, that, you know, they don't have as many of those in the south. And, you know, I was like, they're not dead. <laughs> they're just... Uh, they're sleeping for the winter, and they come back with this new life, and here we are, right, coming to springtime, and these, this new life is coming back, and so I want to talk about that today, and I want to just speak into your life that w you are not dead, yeah. and, and there's things maybe in your life that seem to be dead, um, and maybe even some of us in this place have experienced great loss, a death of a loved one. Uh, who, if they know Jesus, are actually really not dead, by the way. And, um, but we may feel lost because of it. Maybe there's other situations in our life that seem to be empty or lost or just dead promises, dead situations, uh, children, uh, parents, whatever it may be. I just want to speak to you today that those situations are not dead. Last week, Kaysen talked about his near-death ex near experience. And I've had quite a few myself. My sister and I, when we were really young, uh, we had stuffed animals. And um, we decided to play doctor and nurse and give all of our uh, stuffed animals medicine that we found in the medicine cabinet. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I got up into the medicine cabinet and we were just giving those, you know, we pretend to give it to them. And then if we didn't know what to do with it, I guess, so we just drank it ourselves. Lots and lots of medicine. And uh, my mom, I think she was sleeping. And so when she woke up and saw all this medicine uh, was not in a good place. I remember my aunt came over and they brought this stuff for us to um, take and it made us throw it all up. And here we are alive. My sister's here too. We're still alive. A near-death experience, right? One time when I was 17, I pulled right in front of a oncoming traffic and got hit about 60 miles an hour, told in my car, the ambulances came, they had to take the uh, lady to the hospital, and I just walked away, near-death experience. When I was about three, my dad uh, flipped our car numerous times, and I didn't have a seatbelt on, and <clears throat> still alive, right? Near-death experiences, you know, all of us probably have them or face them and think, or maybe uh, even more, there's been things in our lives that we've gone through that seem like near-death experiences. Like, because life is so difficult or so extreme or this pressure, how am I going to provide for my family? Or how am I going to deal with this relationship? I've faced great loss and I feel like I should just, there's nothing worth living for anymore. And we face these near-death uh, areas or relationships or maybe it's even a vision or dream. Maybe even when you're younger, you said, when I get older, I'm going to be this. And now you're older and you're not. And you're like, what am I going to do? You know, what life is, you know, life doesn't stop and we keep going. 
uh, maybe you've had, maybe you're having a near death encounter now. Maybe your health isn't right, or, and maybe it is a health issue, or uh, whatever it may be. All of us at times uh, we face these these dead seasons or these near death experiences in our life, uh, not just physical, right, but some of these other things that I'm talking about. And there's a guy in the Bible that I want to talk about today that faced a very near death experiences as well. Uh, last week, Kaysen talked about Lazarus. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about Jairus. Uh, and in Luke chapter 8, in verses 40, it says it like this. It says, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. This synagogue, this religious leader, came to Jesus' feet, knelt at his feet, uh, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been uh, subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. So he's on his way to Jairus' house, but this lady interrupts. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his clothes, and immediately, immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, people said, Master, people are crowding and pressing against you. Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that the power has come out, uh, come out from me. Then the woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking, so here's this man, Jairus. He's asked, this, he's asked Jesus, you've got to come to my house. My daughter's dying. He's probably in some kind of urgency, right? His daughter's dying. I mean, could you imagine that for a second? One of your kids is dying. Jesus, come help me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, do something. And uh, yet this woman comes and is interrupting the progress. Does anybody have some interruption in your progress before? You want something to happen, and this, it just seems like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know, uh, you know, what, what, what can, how can this be fixed? So anyway, daughter, uh, so he says, daughter, your faith is healed. While Jesus was still speaking, saying this, someone came from Jairus, the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Now, this was a tough situation if you're in Jairus's shoes. I asked Jesus to come to the house and this woman held things up. I wanted to see my daughter get healed. Now the hope has totally gone out. But Jesus, uh, here learning this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. Man, wait, she's dead? But you're telling me I have to believe? When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother, Jairus and his wife. Meanwhile, all the people were waiting, uh, were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told him, 
uh, told them to give her something to eat. She's not dead. She's asleep. So we have this story, this amazing story, this desperate father who is, loves his daughter, right? Like most parents would. And he's pleading with Jesus, please come and heal my daughter. On the way to their house, this woman interrupts and the people in, the, in that time frame came and say, hey, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead. And later he gets to the house and laughing at him. Uh, she's dead. No, no, no. She is not dead, but asleep. My child, get up. And I want to point out some things here because in our lives, there's many a times when we feel like a situation may be dead. Our marriage may seem to be dead or our finances may seem to be dead or um, our relationships with other people or whatever, my dreams, my vision, my goals, my job, my relationship with my children, whatever it may, my health, it seems to be dying, it seems to be gone, and I just don't know how to, what to do anymore. And I wanna give you, uh, go through this and show you some things that Jairus did that we should be doing today as well. So Jairus, the first thing that he did is that he came and he searched out Jesus. How many times when you have an issue or a problem that you search out everything else first and then go to Jesus. Only if the other things didn't work. Let's be, you don't have to raise your hand, but come on, right? You have a financial situation. Okay, I'm gonna have to figure out how I'm gonna finagle this or that, or maybe I have to pick up a second job, or maybe I'm gonna have to you know, cut here or there, or I'll do all this. I'll figure it out on myself. I don't need help from Jesus. Or maybe a health issue, right? We'll go to the doctor, get some medication. That medication didn't work. We'll try this medication. And a year later, you're like, it's still not working. Then you're like, okay, maybe I'll go to Jesus. How desperate do we need to get until we go to Jesus? Does it have to be things that are at an escalated level so far that then we are finally forced to try everything else and now we finally try Jesus? Why don't we try Jesus first? Maybe we should pray and ask him for help before we do these other things. And I'm, look, I believe that God uses medicine and doctors. I'm not saying that go not do that. I'm saying, why don't we in the process or even before say, Jesus, can you heal me? Will you touch me? And maybe God will use those doctors and use that medicine and even give them insight if you would pray so that it doesn't take them using you as a guinea pig to figure out what's wrong with you. Jesus came and then he fell at Jesus' feet. Number two, he fell at Jesus, he came to Jesus and then he fell at Jesus' feet. He surrendered. He said, he put in his mind, when you fall at somebody's feet, you are Lord and I am not. How many times do we think I've got this handled? I am the Lord of my life. I know how to do things. I can control my own narrative. Jesus, and then, you know, it's almost like, Jesus, you could come along if you want. Or I know Jesus is coming along. He's like my, my side pal, but he kind of hides in the back there because, you know, if he, sometimes he doesn't want to come along. <laughs> it depends on where I'm going. And sometimes he, no, 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 this is, Jesus, you are Lord, and I am not. I, he came, and he got down on his knees, and he says, Jesus, you are Lord. And he pleaded Next with Jesus, which is the next thing, that he pleaded with Jesus. He asked Jesus for this need. 
we were, the Bible says it like this, we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but he made us alive in Christ. Everyone in this place, everybody watching online, the Bible says, for we were once dead in our transgressions and in our sin. We were in a desperate place like this girl. We were, we were dead. We were wallowing around in the things of the world and in our sin. And because of it, that deserved death. And the Bible says that we were once darkness, right? We weren't just living in darkness. We were that darkness. We were in death. And Jesus, we were dead in our transgressions, the Bible says, but then he made us alive in Christ. And that only happens when we surrender to Jesus and say, God, I've got all this filth. I've got all this junk. I've got all these sins. But today I come and I bow down at your feet and say, you are Lord. And I am not. Number three. <laughs> this is gonna be everybody's favorite what Jairus did here, right? He really didn't have a choice, but this woman comes along. And a lot of people preach this scripture. They preach about this woman and her faith, how she reached through the crowds and she, you know, she had this issue and yet she still had this faith to reach through the crowds and through the trials and through the tribulations. And she just trudged the hem of his garment and she was healed. And, and that's the message that I've heard. How many people have heard a message like that, right? Tons of times, but I want to come on the side of Jairus here because Jairus is probably seeing this woman is like, I mean, you've lived this long. You probably can live a little bit longer, right? I mean, you've had this issue for many years. Can you just wait until Jesus comes and heals my daughter first? Take your turn, woman. I asked first, right? <laughs> like you're interrupting the flow here. My daughter, and he's desperate, right? Because his daughter's dying and now he's got to wait. How many of you guys just love to wait? <laughs> you know, like Jesus could do something. You've got these promises from God through the scriptures, maybe even some prophetic. And you're like, this is gonna happen, I can't wait. And then a year goes by, a couple years go by. You're waiting, waiting, waiting. You're like, is, there a woman, is this woman in the way again? Is this lady... What, Jesus, what are you doing? Why did you forget about me? Did you get sidetracked? And here's Jairus right here now in the scriptures. He, you know, he doesn't say this. I'm just speculating. But he's, he, if it was me, I'd be like, Jesus, you need to come to my house right now. My daughter is sick. She's dying. Let's go. And I'd be like, look, can this lady wait till later? Can you just come? Because how many of us really love to wait? Again, Waiting. You know, the Bible talks about those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. There are so many scriptures on waiting on the Lord and how it helps us and it strengthens us and we hide behind and we rise up and all these different things when we learn to wait on Jesus. See, we want things to happen yesterday. We're in a rush, we're in a time constraint we always think that things have to be done yesterday, right? We go through the drive-thru and if it's longer than a minute wait, we're really frustrated. I can't believe these workers. Where do they get these people? I can't believe they're getting this much money now, right? Minimum wage. When I was a kid, minimum wage was four twenty-five. I started at Wegmans at 16. I made four twenty-five an hour and that was a lot. Everybody, 
A buck 65 when you were a kid, right? 15. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to get political. I'm just, just saying, why do we have to wait? <laughs> right? It's just a burger. You're just flipping over. What am I waiting for? You know, we don't like to wait for anything. We're living in such a fast society, fast food, fast everything, right? And God, God is like not... You notice God, Jesus, is never in a rush? Do you know who is always in a rush? Hurrying around besides us? The devil. The Bible says that he hurries around, scuffles around. Jesus has never been in a rush. His friend was dying and he waited three days like, <laughs> like Kaysen talked about last week. Here he is, this, this girl's dying. But what we didn't realize is that Jesus really isn't phased by death. Jesus really isn't phased by anything. We are, and we're like in this rush. And so Jairus had no choice, but he had to wait on Jesus. And I want to just encourage you this morning. Wait on Jesus. In that waiting, you can find great strength. In that waiting, you can find great peace. Get under him, get under his wings. It's a great time for you to learn and to love and to grow. A lot of people make the biggest mistake during this, this time. Instead of waiting on Jesus, they go and try to figure it out on their own. They make, try to make things happen that were never intended for you to try to make happen. And then you make a bigger mess than you were in before. Just wait. Wait on the Lord. He's going to do it. It's not like he can't hear you. It's not like he can't do it. He will do it. But sometimes his timing is not our timing. And we need to learn, like Jairus, who didn't have a choice in this circumstance, I don't think, have to wait. And by the way, we don't really have a choice either, when, either do we? Jesus is gonna do something. He said he's gonna do it. Trust him. Wait on him. The next thing, number four, that Jarius did is that he persevered through bad news. How many of you ever heard, have ever received a bad report, right? This is the worst report that a father could probably ever have. He's been waiting, he's been waiting. God, I believe that you're gonna come through. You told me you're gonna come through. You're on your way to my house. And then these people come from my house and say, your daughter is dead. No need to come anymore. No need, right? And the same thing happens to us at times. We've been waiting on the Lord for this promise. We've been hoping and dreaming and, and thinking that God is gonna come through and we get this bad voice, this bad news. It says, you know what? You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to dream for that anymore. That vision, that promise, that hope is dead. Has anybody been there before? It's just not gonna work out. The situation is too, uh, too far gone now. It's too impossible. The situation is dead. George is dead. The trees in March are dead. Your relationships are dead. Your finances are dead. Whatever it is, sorry guys. It's just not gonna happen. 
And like Naomi brought this verse up, Romans 8, 6, for the mindset on the flesh is death. When we look around the natural, when we see things in the flesh, it looks really bleak. It looks dead. But when the mind is set on the spirit, on Jesus, it's life and peace. Because Jesus is life and Jesus brings life and peace. And so when we put our minds on him, we can't help but to hope, but to dream and to have bigger purpose and hope because of Jesus. But when our eyes are on the situation, when our eyes are on circumstances, oh, it's so quick to become pessimistic, isn't it? And then last, Jairus persevered, but he also, Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe, just believe. And Jairus had to believe even with a bad report. Jairus had to believe even when people started laughing at them. Jesus comes on the scene, she's not dead, she's asleep. They start laughing. There's been a few times where I've had these dreams and uh, that I felt God wanted me to go in a certain circumstance. And sometimes I'd share this dream with certain people and say, you know, I feel like God wants us to do this or do that. And I've had a few people say, no, that can never happen. I've had people literally laugh at me at some of my dreams. Have you ever had somebody laugh at you for some of your dreams? If you're not, if people are laughing at you for your dreams, maybe you're not dreaming big enough. That's another sermon, but... God wants us to dream big. And uh, I've had a few uh, dreams that I thought, man, this would be awesome, a vision that we could do this, we could do that. And, and I've had people laugh, literally laugh at me. But year, a year later, they were the same people that were helping me make it come to pass. God is life and brings life. And Jesus walks into the girl's room, gets her by the hand and says, get up. Word for us today is that you're not dead. Get up. God wants to spring up in you new life, new hope, new promises, new vision, new purpose. Some of you even this place like, I don't even know why I'm, what I'm doing here. I'm telling you right now that God has so much for you. He has new plans, new hope, new vision, new purpose. If you'll just open your heart, get up. Stop focusing on the dead. Stop looking at all these things around and Fix your eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, the Bible says. Naomi and I are both testimonies of life out of death. Our marriage is a testimony of God's goodness of bringing life out of dead places. Ephesians 2, and I'm gonna close with this, it says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live and, you and uh, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Guys, I just, can, can we just appreciate the scripture for a second? We were once dead because we used to follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the power of the kingdom of the air. Who is that? The devil. 
We used to follow the devil, the Bible says. The spirit who is now at work at those who are disobedient. That's who we used to follow. It says, verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. How many of us? All of us. The Bible says all of us lived among them. And we follow these desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. God's wrath, God's disdain, God pushing us off, God damning us. But, verse four, because he, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I'm gonna ask my wife to come back up. We're gonna pray. We can talk about a lot of things that life has let us down or maybe things haven't gone the way that we thought. That's George, by the way. You can just hold it. That's George. He's doing pretty well. He's actually turned, he used to be brown out right here, but now he's all green. And um, he's coming back to life. But you know, we like George, <laughs> we were dead in our transgressions and sins, all of us. As we celebrate this Palm Sunday together, Jesus came to save us from that dead way of life, to make us alive again. Aren't you so grateful? Just so thankful? If he does nothing else that we just talked about today, but he did that, that he saves us from our sin, from our transgressions, and gave us new life. If he does My mic went dead and everything, things go dead, but God brings new life, you know? It's like, there she, that was good timing, babe. We didn't even plan that. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. I wanna pray for those, maybe you're in this place and you are still lost in transgressions and sins. That just means you're going your own way instead of saying, Jesus, you are Lord. If that's you here in this place, I wanna give you an opportunity to make things right with God. I know God is longing for you. He wants to be with you. He has a hope and a future. He has new dreams. He has new life for you. He will take dead places and make them new, full of life. But you have to come to him first. It's only by Jesus that you can be saved, that you can go from death to life, from the old ways to the new ways. Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you here in this place, you say, you know what? I need to get things right with, with God today. This Palm Sunday, I wanna be the, the first one that says, Hosanna in the highest. God, save me. God, save me. I know I've been going my own way. I've been doing my own thing and I need your rescue. 
I need my heart to be right with you. I need healing, I need help. God will come and heal and make things right between you and him and fix a lot of other things because he does that. If that's you here in this place with everybody's eyes closed, has bowed, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me, I need to make things right with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand high enough, long enough so I can see it? I see your hands. Anybody else? I need to get things right with God today. I need to get things right with God. I see your hand, I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I need to get things right with Jesus. Come on, I want you to say this prayer with me, all those that raise their hand, and everybody else, would you just join them today? Would you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, Hosanna, save me. I've done things that are wrong. I've gone my own way. But today, I say I want you. And I ask that you forgive me for doing all those things. I believe that you died on the cross, took my place so that I could be forgiven and have a right relationship. Come say it again, and have a right relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those that just did that in this place. If, if you said that prayer, please let us know. You can text us 315-444-2100 and just let us know because we can help you with your next steps with Jesus and all the things that he wants to do to bring new life into your life. Come on, we're gonna stand and worship Jesus one more time.